it's not so much that you're going to be hacked, right, or that you're going to be um, targeted specifically. It's that, you know, if your practices aren't up to snuff, then opportunists will step in and try to take advantage of you. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 124 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kemet Bailey, who is currently based out of beautiful and sunny Lisbon, Portugal. Kemet is the co-founder of Minos Risk Management, which offers corporate-grade cybersecurity and privacy solutions for small businesses and nonprofits. Kemet got his start in the military, where he worked as an intelligence analyst, after which he became a member and subject matter expert on cybersecurity for Apple. And during this interview, Kemet and I discussed what digital nomads and online entrepreneurs can do in order to stay safe while working remotely. More specifically, you're going to learn three super important things. Number one, how to protect your website from hackers. Number two, how to stay safe online as a remote worker while working on the go from cafes, co-working spaces, or Airbnbs. And Finally, number three, what you can do as a business to make sure that all your employees and freelancers do not open you and your clients to hackers and cyber attacks. So much more to learn in this episode, but those are some of my favorite takeaways. However, before we jump into the interview, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which you can find a link to in the show notes for this episode. I publish every podcast interview there in video form, and I also release original content every Monday and Friday about the digital nomad lifestyle, remote work, and online business that you can only find there on YouTube. To subscribe, just click on the link in the show notes or search for my full name, Mitko Karshovsky, spelled as uh, it sounds. Finally, I would love to hear what you think about this podcast. I've made it very easy to leave a review. All you have to do is just head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and write your review. That's it. It's that easy. If you're enjoying this podcast, leaving a review is one of the best ways to support us. Reviews are still a key statistic that podcasting apps look at in order to determine how to rank a podcast. So your review will directly help us climb the rank boards and attract new listeners. So thank you in advance for leaving a review if you choose to do so. And thank you for joining me over on YouTube. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Kemet Bailey. All right, Kemet, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Mikko, thanks for having me on, man. I am uh, super excited to have you on here, like we were talking about before we hit record. I've been looking to discuss cybersecurity with someone and how we as digital nomads and online business owners can be safe uh, when you know we're running our businesses online or just at this point, like basically our entire lives are online, yet so many of us myself included, are kind of like don't really know what to do uh, yeah. beyond like a few simple things. And so I'm super excited. Uh, you reached out to me to, to be on the podcast. And I was like, oh my God, this is like like perfect. You know, just things lined up. Uh, so seriously, thank you so much uh, for being here. But I want to start off 
because you are currently in Lisbon, uh, Portugal, uh, where you've been chilling for uh, a little while. What brought you to Lisbon in the first place? I mean, uh, you know, if you can go anywhere in the world, uh, you're working remotely, uh, you know, why, why Lisbon? Why Portugal? Yeah, well, you know, when I when I moved here, uh, I was just leaving my in-person job where I was not working remote. Um, I was traveling a ton for that job. This is when I was at, at Apple um, on their security team. And it had a lot of travel involved, but it was obviously a fixed location uh, job. So when I just when I got when I left there, I decided to um, you know go somewhere that was a little cheaper than California and had a little more sun and heat, um, although it's a little too hot right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I decided to move out here. This is actually a pretty big nomad hub. I think it has one of the biggest um, nomad meetup groups, you know, mm-hmm. online nomad meetup groups of anywhere in the world. Um, and I had some friends who were entrepreneurs who had been here and kind of said it was a great idea to, to come out here if you were starting a business. Um, so I came for like a test run for a few months and then I came back, I went back to the States and convinced my fiance to move out here with me. And we've been here, you know, f- since pre-pandemic and then through the pandemic. And uh, yeah, we're still here. So did you know about the digital nomad movement before, you know, you, you quit Apple and then moved out there? Like, was that something that you were aware of or was moving out to Lisbon like your first sort of run in with that? Uh, it wasn't my first run in. I had, a, I had a close friend who I met, you know, over a decade ago in China, actually, who was kind of on the leading edge of the whole nomad movement. Um, so he was one of the first, not first, but like one of the early adopters of the nomadic lifestyle, you know, after the four hour work week came out, <laughs> he was one of the first people to hit go. Um, and so he was, you know, doing living the nomad lifestyle. And I went and visited him a few places and uh, met people that he knew who were also working on their own businesses. So I had kind of a little gateway into it. He actually was the first who, who told me about um, Lisbon for the first time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had some experience, but I hadn't been a nomad myself, uh, except for one previous time. Gotcha. So I want to, you know, learn a little bit more about you before we, you know, jump in and talk about cybersecurity, because I was doing a little bit of research and... So you used to be in the Air Force. You you mentioned you worked for Apple. You were on the founding team of their risk, their cyber risk team, correct? For Apple? Yeah, yeah. The department is called New Product Security. Um, okay. Which is, you know, kind of a, a misnomer because technically the, the thing we're doing was secrecy, right? But secrecy encompasses a lot of the elements of security. So it's kind of a team to make sure that people weren't discovering the newest thing that was coming out from Apple. And, you know, it has a lot of people and a lot of money behind efforts trying to get that information. Um, so, so yeah, I was part of the team starting that up uh, in China. So I saw that before you worked at Apple, you were with the Air Force and there was, I kept seeing Mandarin, 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 like you had studied Mandarin, you had, there was focus on China. Where did this focus on China come from like why did you become so interested in it and why did you kind of go down that path with the air force yeah well you know it's kind of arbitrary uh, to be honest um you know I, when i was in college in high school i, was, I studied uh, japanese and uh, I, I thought that was great i really enjoyed that um when i joined the military i was hoping to continue studying language and um, they had a job um, one of their jobs that they offered um, me was uh, linguist um, which, you know, is a job where they really teach you, it's a misnomer because they, they, they don't teach you a bunch of languages. You learn one language and it's your target language and you um, kind of do intelligence work to that language. Um, and the languages that I, of the languages I tested um, uh, as, you know, able to learn theoretically, uh, Mandarin was the one that I thought was the most interesting. And so I just picked it. I was lucky enough they gave it to me because nothing can give you whatever, whatever they want. Um, and then, um, yeah, I ended up working with the language um, in an intelligence capacity for about six years in the Air Force before I before I left there. 
And how did that transition? Because, you know, you had this big focus on Mandarin, you were, you know, working in China. And then, you know, you kind of went in to work with Apple uh, in, in the securities division. So where did that interest in cybersecurity pop up? And, you know, how were you able to transition into that? Yeah, well, look, there's a lot of steps between the military and Apple, so uh, I, I won't give you all the details. You know, you can check out my LinkedIn, as I'm sure you have, if you want more details. But um, a long story short, you know, I in the military, you know, working in intelligence as an analyst and um, just being around the secrecy that surrounds all of those projects um, for obvious reasons, uh, I kind of got inundated with like the into the world of security, you know, um, so at, from the start. Uh, and so after that, it was kind of always something that was interested to me. I think I also have a temperamental interest in security. I've always been one of those people who like doesn't like to sit with my back to the door, you know, in, in a restaurant. I'm the same way. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. weird. And I had like, I don't have military background, but for whatever reason, I'm like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel good, you know? Yeah, totally. No, I was like that pre-military, you know, I think I watched too many Westerns as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I just was interested in it. Um, and then, you know, after I left the military, I actually moved to China, um, not for a job or not with the, with the military or anything, just because I, I wanted to put my language skills to, to, mm. to you know, real, to the test. Um, and I lived out there for a few years. I, I got into some jobs that were in the safety um, realm. Um, so not so much security, but still risk management. Um, and then, you know, some years later, what does that started, mean? What does safety mean versus security? Well, so physical safety, right? So oh, okay. I was working for a German company that made uh, PPE, like personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. And I was their lead trainer in, in Asia, in their Asian market, which was, um, you know, showing people who were buying their products, how to use them in mostly wind industry. So how to climb, you know, wind turbines safely, how to perform rescues inside like the nacelles, um, mm -hmm. just that kind of stuff. So still in the same kind of risk world. Um, and then, you know, some years later, I went back to the States. I've, I've com completed my graduate uh, studies. Um, and then uh, from there, I, I basically moved into, you know, in a roundabout way, I, I got recruited by Apple um, when they were starting up this team in China to secure their supply chain. Gotcha. What was that like? What did you learn going from the military to then going into Apple? Because that's a kind of a very different you know workplace like you know I, the, the way at least that i imagine maybe you can correct me is like the military is very regimented you know you you know you follow the rules or you're out right and while apple i assume even though it's a large corporation has a little bit more of that startup -y silicon you know value vibe so what was that like making that transition well, like I said, you know, I had a few years in between to get myself prepared for like the private sector. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I, uh, I, I thought I, I, you know, I look back on my military service with a lot of, uh, of um, respect for what I got out of it and for the people I worked with. Um, I definitely, you know, as a nomad, you know, or a slow man, let's say, um, <clears throat> I'm not really the biggest on, on authority. So <laughs> it wasn't a place for me long term, but, um, but it, was, it was certainly, you know, I think important thing to do. And I learned a lot from it. Going to the private sector was easy, you know, after that, because, um, you know, you have a lot more autonomy. Um, sometimes things are a little more difficult, but not always. Um, you know, you, it's really, I think, pretty easy for military folks in general to adapt to kind of civilian jobs. They're very flexible. What they usually find is like that they're too rigid for the environment they're going into. Mm -hmm. um, so they kind of have to like, you know, realize that the military is it, not everywhere runs like the military. Um, and once they do that, then it's actually a pleasure. Gotcha. So moving into the, you know, cybersecurity kind of stuff, I'm, I'm curious to hear about 
what are the things that we need to look out for out there? Obviously, we're seeing a lot of uh, news coming out about different leaks or hacks or whatever it is. And I always have this mindset of like, it probably doesn't, it's not something that concerns me, right? It's not something that's going to, I'm not getting hacked or anything like that. But what are like the, is that incorrect, first of all? And second of all, what are the things that we as remote workers and digital nomads, online business owners, what are really like the big things that we need to look out for in terms of cybersecurity? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a big topic, right? But uh, like, let me try to dive into it from this angle, right? One of the things I think that is often misunderstood about cybersecurity is that, you know, you're, you're trying to defeat hackers, right? There's some guy in a dark room with like a Guy Fox mask. He's got a right. matrix code running behind him. You know, like some Jason Bourne type character. Yeah, that Whereas, sounds awesome. Where's where yeah, can I rent that movie? Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Well, I mean, you don't want to be in that movie, but yeah, <laughs> the, the, you know, but that's actually not really the case. You know, for the most part, there's um, for the most part, you know, cybersecurity is a matter of um, protecting yourself from kind of the low hanging fruit threats. You know, opportunists. You know, like most criminal elements, like opportunism is the main thing that you have to worry about. So. It's not so much that you're going to be hacked, right, or that you're going to be um, targeted specifically. It's that you know if your practices aren't up to snuff, then opportunists will step in and try to take advantage of you. They do, you know, you've everybody's seen the you know Nigerian prince emails, right, that come out right. and they're like, hey, you have money, you know, and I need you to help me move money, um, or you know, a long lost relative who's got a bank account that you need to sign for, you know, and like we look at those and say, well, if this is the level of uh, of you know of sneakiness of the criminal element then I don't need to worry too much for myself. Um, but, you know, there are some much more sophisticated um, people out there doing the same kind of things. And all the recent ransomware attacks and a lot of the, the hacks that you hear about are not really hacks in a traditional sense, right? What they are is, um, you know, people inside of organizations not knowing what to do from a security hygiene point of view mm. and then you know, doing things that they, that, they, that they ought not to, you know, um, answering emails they shouldn't answer, clicking on attachments they shouldn't click on taking phone calls and giving out information they shouldn't give out to people who are very crafty. So um, that's kind of one of the myths I want to dispel is that you know, cybersecurity is all about the cyber world and you need to be a, an expert hacker or a technologist in order to, um, to have good hygiene. Um, you mentioned, you know, clicking on emails or download, like how do we, how are we supposed to know? Obviously I'm sure yourself, just like I, you know, I get a ton of emails. I'm sure you do as well. How do we know if one of those emails is fishy versus not? And, the, you know, if it's as easy as I just open the email and all hell breaks loose, right? Like, how do we protect ourselves from that? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, usually you have to kind of click on something in an email for it to, to really do okay. some damage to the system. Um, but, you know, honestly, if you, you, fortunately, you have spam filters nowadays that kind of take care of a lot of that for you and most email clients. Um, but, you know, the real answer is just vigilance, right? It's about slowing down. It's about being aware of the threats. So one of the things we do at, at Minos, my company, is, um, is security awareness training, right? Because training, we think, is like the number one way to keep yourself safe. You know, if you have 10 employees, you have 20 employees, you have 1,000 employees, the only way that they're all going to be aware of the security policies and the things that, you know, I'm kind of uh, going over with you here is if they are trained on them. Um, and, you know, the training isn't arduous. It's just something, it's just telling them, hey, this is, this is what happens. Here's how people are going to try to get at you. Check your, you know, so for instance, with email, you asked, you know, I'll give you a specific example. Um, if you look at, you know, a lot of the more sophisticated phishing attempts, right? And phishing attempts are just people trying to get you to respond to an email with, you know, with some information that you shouldn't give out. 
um, uh, or have some kind of Trojan horse embedded in it. Um, what they usually say is, you know, like, oh, well, it, everything can look exactly like your, like it's from your bank. You know, you have like Citibank. Mm -hmm. and you say, oh, it's a Citibank email, but you don't realize that it's like Citibank dot, you know, IO or it's Citibank with a Y, you know, C-I-T-Y bank or something. You know, like the email address is just changed enough that, that you're not uh, aware that it's not who it's supposed to be. So just recognizing what, you know, you'll be asked for from, um, you know, banks or other uh, institutions. And then also double checking, you know, half of the, the security issues you see happening would have not happened if the people had just double checked and triple checked their emails, you know. Mm. What about like our, uh, I recently was listening to a podcast uh, with Nat Eliason, who I'm not sure if you know, um, he's, you know, pretty popular in the online marketing world kind of thing. But what he was talking about was that he has several websites and actually his websites got hacked and got taken down. Like, you know, his entire life, his entire business exists online, but he was always kind of saying like, oh, I'll deal with it another time. This isn't that big of a deal. There's, there are more pressing things. And he was even saying that he was only able to salvage one website of his. So that's like a big hit, right? He salvaged the most important one, thankfully. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this are like, hey, my website is my life, right? Like if the website goes down, like my entire life is somewhere in that website, whether it's a business, personal website, whatever it is. How can we protect those assets? How can we protect those digital, you know, assets in terms of like websites and stuff like that in order to, you know, keep them protected from any sort of infiltration? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's actually interesting. We're, we're actually working with an NGO, uh, not an NGO, a nonprofit right now who uh, suffered two denial of service attacks on their website just recently, you know. And so there, it's very, very present problem for a lot of uh, a lot of orgs who who everybody runs to their website now, you know. So if that thing mm -hmm. gets taken down, you're out of business. Um, so one of the things we, you know, it's it, there's no one size fits all answer, you know. If you're really being targeted by a a, a, um, a you know a dedicated bad actor, then you know you're really your, your time is your time is running out, right? Um, mm -hmm. But for the most part, again, it's opportunism, right? So if you are running, you know, your website on a certain hosting platform, it behooves you to look into the security features of that hosting platform before you, you know, decide to sign on with them, you know, not just looking for the cheapest one. And then also, you know, maybe paying a little extra for the security features that they offer, because a lot of the hosting mm -hmm. services will also offer, um, you know, added features that, that can help secure you from those kind of attacks. Um, so it's really just a matter of kind of doing your due diligence on where you're where you're hosting things, on what services you're using, uh, and making sure that you're not you're not a target, you know. And uh, you know, the way I, I like to look, use this analogy of um, kind of a, a car, right, in a parking lot. You know, when you're you're not trying to prevent, like you know, again, like Ethan Hunt or Jason Bourne from stealing your car out of the parking lot, they're going to get your car. Right. What you're trying to prevent is like someone who's going to just break in because you left the door unlocked, right? Or you mm -hmm. put your laptop on the on a, on a car seat next to you. Where you went to the, go watch a baseball game, you know, like that's going to make people come after you. And so just not doing those things, which is fairly easy, um, it can, can secure you from like 99% of threats. Mm. What about like, you know, being out and about and using your computer? This is like one of those things that you were talking about, you know, like not wanting to sit with your back, your back to the door. This happens yeah. to me sometimes where I'm in a coffee shop and I need to pull up like my bank for some reason. And I'm always like looking <laughs> over my shoulder to see who's back there. I like look up to see if there's any cameras or something like that. But like, what are, you know, as digital nomads, people who are listening to this, we're not 
just, you know, working from our office or from our home. We might be working from an Airbnb, a coffee shop. We might be switching things constantly. Like how do we ourselves Mm -hmm. make sure that whatever that we're doing online stays safe and that we're not the weak point, so to say. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's about awareness, right? And like, you're exactly right. That is the number one thing we would train people on at Apple actually um, mm-hmm. was, you know, what to do with your computer when you're not at the office, right? Because a lot of people are working from home. They're working from the, the Apple bus, you know, going into the office, which you think is a secure environment, but it's not. They work from coffee shops on their day off, you know, um, and as nomads, everyone's doing that. I can't tell you how many times, it's one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you. Um, I can't tell you how many times I'll be at a coffee shop or, you know, an airport and I'll see someone who works remotely and they'll be doing the craziest things, right? Like they'll be having conversations with people about really, you know, obviously proprietary stuff, right? loud, you know, with, around other people. And sometimes I think it's just a lack of awareness, like not understanding that like there are people out there who are going to try to use that against you um, mm-hmm. or, you know, learn that to, to use that to create a profile of you to say, oh, well, maybe we should look into this person more or try to get some of their stuff. Um, with laptops, particularly, I would say always have a privacy screen. Um, privacy What's a privacy you- screen? Like where you put it on so that people can't see from the side? Exactly. Yeah. You can get them on Amazon fairly cheap and they fit your computer screen. And basically it makes it hard to see your screen if you're looking at it from an oblique angle. So mm-hmm. you can only see it if you're like looking at it directly. Um, otherwise it causes like a darkness or a reflection. Um, those are great, right? Because they keep you you're safe while you're in public environments. Um, but the other thing is exactly what you said, man. Just look around, you know, pay attention to your environment. Don't sit where you have your stuff facing, you know, security cameras or other people. Um, and maybe don't do, you know, check your bank information at the, at, in those locations, if you feel like you're not secure. Um, but that's what like is, kind of- So you said, if you don't feel secure, Yeah, I'm at the coffee shop. I mean, I, I feel secure, but yeah. is it because I don't, my senses aren't trained to say like, oh, there's something weird here. Like, what are the things that for you, for example, who's experiencing this, like, what would be something in a location that would tell you that it's not secure? Yeah, well, look, anytime you're in a public location, you're not secure, you know, that, that's mm. kind of the way you have to look at it. And, you know, that's hard for some people who want to feel like they're safe wherever they are. And, you know, you can feel that way about your physical safety. But when you think about like your information safety, you have to assume that anytime you're in a public space, you're not secure. So the way mm. we refer to is a kind of a model that we use. It's like a, talks about like, you know, a four walls environment. Let's say like the room I'm in right now, right? I've got four mm. walls. There's no one else in here. This is secure, right? I can, I can close the windows and everything. Um, and so that here, I know I'm pretty safe. I can keep my computer screen facing away from the windows. I'm good to go. This is a four walls environment. It's one of the only kind of safe environments you'll ever be in, right? But then you have, you know, open workspaces. So let's say you work in a co-working space or you work in an office with other desks. That's mm. slightly less secure, right? So your four walls, then you're out here and you've got like another environment that's like an open workspace. That's less secure, but, you know, and especially if you're in a co-working space where you don't know the people around you and they're not working on the same projects, um, that's kind of as unsecure as a public location. But if you're in an office with the rest of your colleagues, then you call it like a, an open workspace. And then outside of that is a larger bubble of just the wider world. So anytime you're not in one of those spaces, you have to kind of treat it that way. And, you know, one of the things I see all the time that kind of irks me is like, uh, um, you know, people being in cafes, right? Like, and, you know, they'll be working and stuff. They don't, they don't even lock their screen and they leave their laptop and go to the bathroom. I'm sure you've seen this before. Maybe you've even done it. Like it happens all the time, you know? Um, I did it about an hour ago. Yeah, don't do that, man. It's asking for trouble, you know? You don't know what um, people are there who could just grab your stuff and go, you right. know? Um, it happens all the time. Or people who are just watching, waiting for you to leave. You know, I, 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 there have been cases like that. We've, you know, we had employees at Apple who would lose their stuff all the time because they were just 
not paying attention. You know, they, they right. run into the bench real quick, leave it on their car seat, stuff's gone. Um, yeah, and then- I usually what I do normally, this is by no means I, I don't do it often. I normally do that when like my wife is with me working at coffee shops or I, if I know the people who work at the coffee shop, like I go to this coffee shop all the time, like they would say something. I think if I were to like, you know, somebody were to grab something, but I'll normally ask people and this isn't foolproof because whatever, but I normally ask people, like, Hey, do you mind keeping an eye out for my stuff? Like people who work there, uh, if it's a real emergency, I do want to yeah. ask you though, because you mentioned public spaces and you said you're never safe if you're in a public space. And one of the things that made me think about is like, I feel like I'm always in public spaces, right? Like, yes, you're saying I'm, I might have four walls around me, but yeah. if I'm in an Airbnb, how can I be certain that this is secure? Well, you know, when I say, you know, if in Airbnb, you can have four walls also, you know, if you're and if you're in a room in the Airbnb, that's, that's secure. That fits that definition. Then, you know, you're secure. You, now, but I mean, in cyber terms, like, yes, I know that like my door is locked and nobody can get in, but I'm not the person who set up the Wi-Fi. Like somebody right, could have right. like, you know, couldn't it technically somebody could hack through that in some way? Yeah, I mean, you know, the chances of that, unless you're, you know, let's say a government official or, you know, you're some somebody mm. high up in a large company that's being targeted specifically, the likelihood of that being the, the route that people are trying to get at you from is, is low, uh, which, you know, so feel comfortable there. But gotcha. at the same time, you know, taking proper precautions about, you know, how you, if you, how you, you know, secure your, your online operations is extremely important, right? So um, using public networks is never a really great idea. But, you know, as we said, kind of before the call started, you were telling me that you use a VPN. That's great. Um, I talked to a lot of nomads and they, and they, they use VPNs often. Um, I think the only problem with VPNs is that people tend to think that if they have it, then they're secure. Um, right. But it's just that, you know, having a VPN is fantastic. It'll protect you from a lot of those, you know, the online issues we were talking about. Um, it'll hide your IP address. It's something that, and it'll, you know, protect you from, uh, especially if you're a nomad, right? If you're traveling to some places where the internet is less free, or where there's, le- there's more government surveillance, right? Um, or where, you know, there, there are more people who are probably attempting to, to get your stuff, um, then you're gonna wanna make sure that you're extra careful. Um, but yeah, so VPNs are great, but only when they're combined with other kind of security hygiene practices, you know? So, okay, let's talk a little bit about the VPN because I, I do agree. I know basically all of my nomad friends have VPNs, yeah. but they don't use it all the time. Like, I mean, if I'm going to be quite honest, the most that I use VPNs for is to be able to watch something on Netflix that's only available in the US, right? (laughs) Like if I'm going to be honest, that's what I use the VPN for the most. Or if I'm out in the coffee shop and I have to check my like bank information, I'll throw the VPN on then. Is a VPN something that we should be using all the time? Uh, And what exactly does a VPN protect you from? And what does it not protect you from? Yeah, well, um, the short answer is yes, you should always have your VPN on. Now, look, I don't always have my VPN on either. Sometimes it like throttles my internet. Yeah. I'm not doing anything that's, that's that sensitive. So it's not that big a deal. Um, but basically what, it, what, a, what a VPN does is protect you from, you know, protects your, your IP, right, address. So it's not showing that you are who you are. So if someone's trying to correlate information that's coming out of like a location to you, um, they can't do that when you have a VPN on because it bounces your IP address from different places or it just sets up kind of a virtual location that you're mm-hmm. coming from. So it just protects your identity online so that you can't be as you move around. You know, if you have the same IP address all the time, which is most people do if you don't have a VPN, that's it's just your computer, then anywhere you are, people can locate you by that IP address and they can kind of create a profile for you or figure out some, um, what would you call it? 
uh, indicators that maybe give them more information that it will help them get into your systems, you know? So it's just a matter of being like a little more anonymous online, which is always a good thing. Gotcha. And what does it like not protect? Like, what are some of the things that we still need to like really keep an eye out for, even if we're using a VPN in terms of security? Well, it doesn't protect you if someone gets into your computer, right? So, you know, the three rules we say from a security standpoint, especially for small businesses, right, are secure your stuff, right? That's number one. So if you're like your hardware, right, like your hardware, like your phone, you know, people, you know, same treat that like your computer, right? So um, if your computer is, if you don't have a, you know, timeout lock on your screens, you know, all your screens, that's a security risk. If you don't have full disk encryption on all of your devices, that's a security risk. Um, So you really have to make sure that your devices are locked down. That's the number one rule. Because, you know, VPNs don't matter if someone gets a hold of your device. And, you know, if they're really trying to, they can do that. Um, So the second rule is also, know your know your crown jewels right like know what are the important things you need to protect um so i'm I'm thinking about this from a business standpoint right right of course again at the the end of the day like you don't want to spend all your time trying to lock down some you know word document that doesn't actually matter you know it's it's just got some scribbles or your note taking that that aren't set sensitive um but you want to know what is sensitive right and so if you're somebody who's creating you know pdf documents of like um of let's let's say lesson plans for a school, right? Or for some sort of a, a business that's learning uh, related, then you're gonna wanna make sure that, you know, the stuff that you have the proprietary to you that you don't want getting out um, is, is secured. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to secure every single thing. So knowing exactly what it is that's important is also important, obviously. And um, the last thing is just be smart, right? And be smart just means, you know, use a VPN, you know, use multi-factor authentication when you, when you, have, a, when, when you have the option. Um, pay attention, like you said, to your surroundings, where you are. Assume that there are people who are look out to get you, you know. Mm. And it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, like paranoid all the time. I don't, I don't feel paranoid when I walk around. But once I've started to to do this stuff, it's automatic, right? I just don't sit in a place where people can see my computer screen. Um, I just don't, you know, go do sensitive things online when I'm in places where my connection is not secure. You know, mm. once you get those habits down, they stop being arduous. Um, and they help protect you from, you know, all the social engineering efforts that are coming at you from online too. Gotcha. What about, you know, we were talking about hardware and I remember when I first bought um, an Apple laptop, like a MacBook, somebody mm-hmm. told me, oh, you know, one of the benefits is that it's more secure because there's less of them out there. So hackers are making like, aren't like making things for MacBooks because like, it's not as like, efficient you know they can get way more like pcs right. and I, I i mean i must have been like 18 when somebody told me this i was like yeah cool like that makes sense and then like now i'm kind of like that like wouldn't there be like one guy who was like you know what nobody's going after these guys yeah. i'll go after them yeah. so like how do we first of all you know we talked about secure your hardware just by like making sure nobody takes it nobody's putting something in there nobody's you know, logging your keystrokes or something like this. I actually remember when I was in college, there was uh, a case in which a professor had had their computer hacked because they got a one of those keylogger on there. And so yeah. they were able to get her passwords. And these two kids went all of their college career without studying because they changed all their grades whenever they would like this teacher never changed their password and yeah. they would just change their grades, which I was like, first of all, like, yes, you didn't get a college degree and you might spend some time in jail, but like, I'm definitely hiring you because. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. That, that guy's going to do okay. <laughs> right. All right. That's genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do we make sure that we're safe? 
right? Like yeah. what if right now I have, I'm, my computer's infected with something and I just don't know how do we check that and how do we clean anything that might've infected our hardware? Yeah. Well, you know, so this goes into like kind of the secure stuff bucket, right? Like you were mm -hmm. saying, um, so just to briefly address your earlier point, like Apple's computers are, you know, Apple takes privacy a lot more seriously than companies have traditionally. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't say this in the Apple fanboy, you know, as a former employee, but their stuff just is very good. And they, they, they do pay attention to that because it's part right. of their value. Proposition. Um, but uh, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, unhackable, right? It, right, it, right. You still have to follow the proper hygiene. And, you, and there, of course, are more and more, you know, as their market share has grown um, exponentially, there are more and more hackers who target those computers just target anyone else. It's just a little bit harder, I would say, because they're running, you know, an iOS as opposed to kind of an open uh, Windows kind of uh, uh, operating system. So um, in, in general, though, the best ways to protect yourself from a secure your stuff perspective, um, I would say are, look, backups, you know, like make sure that you're backing up your, your sensitive information. Um, th there's a backup uh, kind of rubric or method that people use, what do you call it? It's like a, a, a shorthand, right? Let's say for how you back things up, three, two, one, right? So you have three methods of backing things up. Two of them should be hardware based, right? So you have something, one, one backup on your laptop, external hard drive somewhere, right? Um, and then you also have one cloud-based backup, right? So you have three overall. Mm -hmm. That's good practice, good hygiene um, for cybersecurity because you know you never know when one of your, your devices is gonna be compromised, right? And um, the other thing is if you realize that something is going wrong with your computer, like there's a virus on it that's, that's doing something, you know, um, if it, you'll know that because something bad will happen, right? And then by mm -hmm. then it's too late. Um, if you don't have something bad happening, um, you, you know, generally have to assume your device is, is fairly safe, but what you have to do, um, and this is, this is really key is keep everything that you use, all of the software, all of the operating systems up to date, you know, um, all of the kind of hacks that you've heard about recently, like solar winds and all these other, uh, attacks that have happened recently, they all get in through these, um, well, not all, but a lot of them uh, take advantage of these zero day exploits, right? Which are just unpatched gaps in security measures on any operating mm. system. Um, and so if you don't update and every update that comes out, you know, some people say, oh, it's going to slow my computer down or they're going to like, you know, brick my iPhone if I get this new update. And it's like, no, well, what's really going to happen is if you don't get the update, then you have these holes in your security that hackers can exploit and do exploit en masse. Um, so best practices, you know, from a hygiene perspective is make sure everything's updated. Um, I mentioned full disk encryption earlier. Um, that's available on almost all devices nowadays. You know, Windows computers have a free version of that. Uh, I think it's called BitLocker. Uh, Apple has a, a free version of that um, that, you know, you, you, just can, you just have to turn on. And what it does is make it so that, you know, when you lock your computer, right, that if someone tries to, you know, open it up and get into it, if they don't get the password right within, a, you know, three tries or something like that, um, your computer becomes useless. You know, the data inside is encrypted, which means that it can't be deciphered by, by anyone. Um, mm. But if you don't turn that on, then if they can guess your password, they can get into your computer and... Well, sorry, if they, if they can guess your password, then they can get into your computer no matter what. Um, but if they can't guess your password and you don't have one up and you haven't been using, you know, screen locks, they can just get into all your stuff. So that's really, that's really key. So is that the same thing basically as like when I open up my computer and I have to type in like my password to get in? Is that what that yeah. is? Or is there like a, like another level up that's like, like super, you know, good? Well, so, I mean, look, there's that, right? But there's also, you maybe have heard of a MFA or multi-factor authentication, mm -hmm. um, which is, you see, you'll probably get a lot of emails nowadays because a lot of um, apps and programs With are like rolling. like text or... 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. So MFA or it's, you know, sometimes it's 2FA um, is basically, you know, they want you to use two different methods, right? So usually it's something you have, um, something you are, <laughs> or something you know, right? So something you have might be like a, a key, a, you know, physical token, right? It's something you plug in and that, that verifies the password you already put in. Something you mm. are is biometric, right? So if your phone can read, you know, read your face or read your thumbprint, that's something that you are. And then something that you know is like a password or a, you know, a numeric code or something like that. So having two of those is better than one. Um, so I say always, always um, enable 2FA or MFA wherever possible. Um, it's not possible everywhere, but whenever you can, I think it's a good, it's good hygiene. Mm. What about like, I remember, it, and it's interesting that I remember it only from when I was younger, which doesn't really make sense because I feel like as we've more and more moved to doing things digitally, it should be even more present. But like, I remember running our computer once a week through this like virus check software. <laughs> and yeah, I feel yeah. like I turned 13 and that just disappeared or 14 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Is there something like, what should we have? Is there like an application that you recommend that we should have on our computers or on our phones to just scan the hardware and see if there's like, cause I think the fear is like, you're right. If you're using your computer and your computer bugs out, some kind of weird stuff happens and there's probably something wrong, but yeah. like what, you know, I think the fear is that there's something lurking that's not causing a lot of issues, but is like yeah, yeah. doing some damage, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that, it's interesting that the antivirus world, right? It's rife. Uh, yes, that was like the going knowledge back then was like, you know, you have to have antivirus. Otherwise, you, you got to get right. Um, so just, that's just pure marketing. You know, it's an industry created by itself. Um, mm. For the most part, if you keep your software up to date, the company that creates the software, uh, the operating systems um, are, are, are doing everything they can to secure you, right? They obviously don't want viruses and, and exploits running rampant on their systems it looks bad for them so it behooves them to do that um a lot of times though i remember even later the later years of like the virus games i was doing the same thing you know and <laughs> you it would say like 45 threats found you know like right 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 removed you know <laughs> all that it's mostly nonsense man uh, huh. just keeping yourself up to date is the best thing you can do making sure you you know if your devices get too old replace them you know but really it's about the software more than the hardware um, you just want to make sure that the software you're using is, is current. Gotcha. So there isn't anything that we can be like, if somebody's like, oh, my phone did something weird the other day, I should probably check and make sure that wasn't just like a fluke. But like, cause like this has happened to me before where like my phone will do something weird and I'm going to be like, oh, this is odd. And then I'm always like, oh my God, they did something get in. And it's not like <laughs> lurking in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like there's, there's sometimes is like, you know, non-malicious just faulty code, you know, like sometimes mm. you'll download a program that just jacks something up and you're, you know, mm. mostly that happens, uh, I would say on like Windows computers, um, because iOS is a little more locked down than what they allow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's tons of programs that slow your system down or they use too much, um, too much RAM while they're operating and they just cause these external effects that you, that were unexpected. Also, you know, as computers age, as I'm sure you know, they tend to just get glitchy, right? Even so, you know, that's why I said kind of keep your devices more up to date because just the number of things that possibly infected it at any point is greater the older it is. Um, but that's not to say that you should be really paranoid about your device as long as your security hygiene that you're practicing is, uh, is sound, you know. And, and, you know, like I said, all the things that I just mentioned doing, those are meant to like, you know, block amateurs and trip up professionals, right? Mm. So you don't need to like, you know, lock it down so hard that like a, a government, you know, a state-sponsored entity can't get into your phone. You just have to make sure that whatever amateur is trying to uh, take advantage of you can't do it easily. And then they'll move on to someone else. 
Mm. Um, and that's particularly the case with, you know, one of the biggest concerns for probably a lot of your listeners, small business owners, um, it, and increasingly like, you know, even non-governmental organizations and, and nonprofits is uh, ransomware, you know, and this idea of ransomware, people, people mostly like hear the term ransomware, but they don't know what, what it means, what it's about. They're just worried that it's going to happen to them. The number one way to keep, ran, you know, keep yourself uh, safe from ransomware is keep your stuff up to date and train your people on, on basic security hygiene. Um, so, and what know, is ransomware? Because I'm one of those people. I've heard the term, but I don't really know what it is. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, ransomware is, you know, basically when some kind of bad actor comes in and uh, take, you know, get some information from you, right? So there's a recent case I just read about yesterday, I think, where they stole about a terabyte of information from Saudi Aramco, like the big oil company in mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. Uh, and they said, you know, give us a billion dollars or we're going to release your sensitive information, right? And it's got all mm. types of proprietary information that they don't want getting out. Um, that's one type of ransomware attack, right? There's other kinds where they actually like the, um, the pipeline, right? The big pipeline thing just happened in the States. Uh, that was different where they actually had access to the systems. And so they said, we're going to shut down, you know, your ability to operate your systems in the physical world from a remote location unless you pay us a ransom. And they paid the ransom. You know, it's actually about this. This is why I think um, this is going to be the major concern in the next decade or so. Um, it's a successful business model. You know, like these criminals are actually making money doing this. Uh, and there's not really a clear way to prevent them from getting in, uh, except for the stuff that we're trying to kind of proselytize mm. here, get people to do. Yeah. Along this topic, I actually had uh, an interesting conversation on the podcast a few episodes back with uh, a tech journalist by the name of Mike Elgin. And one of the things that he said that really, I mean, I I just the moment that he said it, I immediately agreed with him. And I could, you know, I I could see that this was, you know, a, a big deal was he said, you know, the next big billion dollar company is going to be in securing remote teams. Mm-hmm. What can people do? You know, a lot of people who are listening might be solopreneurs, uh, might work with like one or two people, you know, are freelancers, but like, what can people do that have larger teams? Like, what if there's somebody listening who has a company of like 20, 30 people, maybe some of them are freelancers. How do we secure that? Because every single one of those quote unquote nodes, right? Every single one of those people is a potential weak spot, right? Like yeah. I could be doing everything correct, but if somebody on my team is actually not secure, then that's a problem. So how can people who run organizations with multiple remote workers actually, you know, keep all their stuff safe, all their clients' information safe and so on? Yeah, well, two things, right? Training, training is the key. You know, if your people aren't trained, you can have the best security policy in the world, but if they haven't read it or they don't understand it, then mm. they're not going to follow it, right? And even if they have read it, sometimes they won't follow it, you know? Mm. Training is, is key. People don't do things unless they're actually told what the risks are and how they personally are, are, um, uh, are responsible, you know? Uh, and so I, that's actually one of the things we, we do at Minos also. I think there's two, there's two things that, that, um, that we do that, is, that are most helpful, and this is why we do them, right? Auditing, right? So that you can make sure that you have the correct security processes in place for the kind of business you run. And like I said before, it's not one size fits all, you know? Your business is, you know, if you have a 10 person education space business versus like a hundred person, you know, you know, crypto business, right? That, that those are two very different profiles and they demand very different policies. Um, mm-hmm. So what we'll do is go in and say, okay, well, let's look at the way you work and what your teams look like and how they operate um, and, and secure them and make sure that you have a security policy in place that covers all the bases for you, right? 
Um, and so making sure that you understand what the risk vectors are, like where risk can come from for your organization is really critical. That's part of the knowing your crown jewels thing, which is like number two on that list I was mentioning earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so doing that and then, and then training people on it is, is, is super important. And you know, the other thing about this is I think a lot of people are intimidated by the idea of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and because it's scary, it's a, it's a big word and, and it's, it's, it's often misused, you know, like I was saying before, most times cybersecurity um, is not about cyber, it's about people. They're like, we're, we are the weak point. <laughs> and right, weak point. right. Um, you know, <laughs> so, uh, so getting, you know, I think one, changing your mindset from, I mean, maybe this is too much of a reach, but, uh, you know, a lot of people who are nomads have come from more traditional workspaces, right? And when you're in a traditional workspace, the company manages security, right? They take mm -hmm. care of it for you. So, you know, you don't have, there's a lot of happening behind the scenes that you're not aware of, like things that they're doing, hygiene, their practicing, you know, they may train you once a year on, you know, privacy stuff, but you're really kind of kept insulated from it. As an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, you have to be the person who's paying attention to it. And so it's a mindset change more than it is, uh, you know, just tactics. So getting in the right mindset, which means making sure you, you find someone to figure out what it is that's going that that could possibly go wrong um, in your industry and in your in your workspaces, um, and then making sure you train your employees are the, are the two ways of, of getting that done. Um, mm. I, I was mentioning to you earlier before the call. Uh, we also have like kind of a document. You know, there's a lot of bullet pointed advice that that you can get about how to secure your workspace, right? How to secure your meetings, right? Because people are on Zoom all the time or on different um, uh, voice over internet VoIP like uh, programs, like talking to each other. How do you secure those meetings, right? What, what are the practices each individual employee needs to, to take to do in order to make sure that's secure? You know, how do you secure your cloud, right? Mm -hmm. Are you in the cloud? Of course you are. So how do you secure, secure your cloud services? What do you do for passwords, right? What about devices? Like, so a lot of things I've mentioned are, are kind of in this, um, this PDF that we created um, and it's available at our website. I can maybe give the- uh, Yeah, what, where can people find that? Yeah, so it said um, our, our website is minosrisk.com. So minos m i n o s uh, okay. risk.com. and I'll have I'll have the links to this. Uh, so if anybody's listening, just look at the show notes, and you'll be able to you know click directly on the links. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I mean, it's, and it's a free giveaway. Uh, you can go to free resources, and it just gives you like really the the baseline thing. I think looking at that would be really useful for teams because in lieu of having a, an actual audit done and then actually like implementing a training program, both of, both of which are very necessary. This at least gives you kind of a baseline understanding of, of what you need to, to, to be paying attention to. What about social media security? Because I remember like, again, like, you know, talking about the, you know, the virus checks and whatnot. I feel like when social media was first coming out, there were all these things about like, somebody's going to find you and abduct you and like, don't post pictures and don't do whatever. And like, now it's like everything, everyone shares everything on social media. Yeah. Um, is there anything that like we should be doing that you as a professional in this see and they're like, this is just gone way too crazy and we all need to dial it down. Like, what should we be, you know, keeping an eye out for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, social media. Um, so this actually goes, there's two kind of things around this social media world that I want to touch on. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, social, in general, the guidance on social media should be don't do it. <laughs> but that's unrealistic, right? Like right, most, right. You're not, not going to stop using social media. But understanding what people are doing on social media that, that affects you is important. So, you know, you, you'll, you'll, you, you all know people who are just posting every single detail about their life, where they are this weekend, what they're mm -hmm. eating, what they like to do. In a nutshell, the more public information that you're, sorry, private information that you're sharing on social media, 
you know, in the military and security, we call that uh, indicators, right? You can use those to form a profile of a person. Oh, this person likes to eat pizza. They, they, their grandmother lives in Kansas. Um, oh, they, they have friends over here and here. They're in this industry. They, they can put together a lot of information about you from what's publicly on social media. Um, and from that, you can have people who will comb, you know, if you're working in a company and you're a key person, um, or if you're an entrepreneur that they want to exploit, they can go in and send you an email that like has personal information in it, makes you think you know them, or you know makes you feel a little less worried about them at least, um, or you know kind of plays on similarities that you supposedly have with them, and it's just another way that they can kind of take advantage of you. So sharing private information on um, public platforms is, is a bad idea. You have to again assume when you're in a public forum that you're not secure. Um, but you know in a broader sense, you know social media is also based on this advertising model that is really not only doing bad things to individuals, but doing bad things to society. Um, so I think it behooves all of us to kind of, uh, you know, pay more attention to, to what are the risks associated with that. Um, and so the other half of that, right? So there's social media, but there's also softwares that people use that are free, okay? And you may not think those are kind of the same thing, but they both operate on this advertising model, right? So a good rule of thumb is if you're using a free or freemium, software, right? Um, mm -hmm. And not paying for it, then you're not a customer, right? So then what are you? You're, you're the product, <laughs> right? And if you're the product, then the company has, has, a, has, a, has a, a stated mission of trying to monetize you in whatever way they can, right? Whether that be through sharing your data as widely as possible to the highest bidder, or, or whether that be just trying to sell you things rampantly um, based on kind of the advertising that, that they, that, that they, that they um, glean information from you for. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hazard, you know, and, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who look at, um, you know, free kind of software and it's so useful. You know, you use Google, everybody uses Google drive. <laughs> do you use mm -hmm. Google drive? I do use Google drive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people use Google drive, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but sometimes for, for work related, um, uh, you know, information, like things that are, that you have, that you have security concerns for, not a great idea, you know. It's, mm. it, again, it's free. Google makes no bones about the fact that they are just trying to get at your data. You know, <laughs> like they may put a smiley face on it, but that's their mission. You know, Facebook, same thing. If you're using Facebook Messenger for most of your communications, or you know, apps like WhatsApp for mm -hmm. all of your work communications, um, it's it's not a great idea. You know, and it's not just because oh they're reading my messages, right? Facebook makes a big deal about WhatsApp being end to end encrypted, but. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the point. The point is that all the other data that you share with WhatsApp is actually data that they can use and do use to create profiles of you that they can, you know, sell to the highest bidder again. So um, even though it's not something that, you know, is about reading your messages, they have your whole contacts list, you know, right. they have, they have your location data. If you have that turned on, they have all this stuff and uh, you may not care about, Oh, I'm being marketed to by this company. Then I just get better ads. So, you know, so I, I, I buy more stuff that I want. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe you get better ads, but you also get people who are trying to influence your decision-making, right? And your political affiliations or, mm -hmm. you know, the extremity of the views that you hold, you know? And like, the more and more that is what's happening. And um, that was the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal was about with Facebook. It's like, yeah, we sell our data to people who are trying to influence pedal. Right. You know? And you may say, oh, I'm, I'm immune to that. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to those things. They can't influence me. You're like, okay, well, but we'd all agree that some people can be influenced, right? So if you're right. playing in the sandbox, then you're contributing to the system that is allowing that to happen. So I, I don't get off my soapbox, but it, it, it's a big deal. No, I, I remember seeing um, this like infographic and obviously I didn't check the source. I don't know how legit it is, but um, 
it was essentially this infographic that showed all the different like major social media, you know, players or whatever. And then what data they kind of collect and they kind of compared them. And like Google was bad. Windows was, you know, whatever. And then like Facebook was just like everything, what every box was checked in terms of like, <laughs> hey, if it's on this infographic, Facebook is checking it. So, um, well, listen, commit. thank you so much for coming on here this has been super uh you know i've been actually jotting down notes on things that i need to look into and fix so thank you so much for uh you know coming on um before we leave though let people know where can they connect with you if that's something that you want them to do uh where can they you know go and find minos uh security if if that's something they want to check and who is actually what who should be reaching out to you uh in terms of services right like who are the businesses that you want to work with? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'll, I'll mention a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the uh, things that, you know, we we work with primarily small to medium-sized enterprises, so exactly the kind of people that, that um, listen to your podcast, and also with nonprofits and, and non-governmental organizations, uh, charities, organizations like that who are at super high risk, right, because their data mm-hmm. is even more sensitive sometimes than a businesses might be because it affects human beings directly. Right. Um, so we work with all of those kind of companies. We also have made sure, you know, our whole goal is to bring the world of like corporate military grade security to these businesses that can't, don't have all the money and resources to spend on, on the level of security that, you know, you get at, at an Apple. But, but, you know, you actually can reach a fairly high level with, without having to pay that much and also without having to know so much about cybersecurity. So that's kind of our, our, our mission uh, writ large. It's uh, Minos Risk Management. So, so I already mentioned the website where they can find us and also the free resource I mentioned before. That's um, minosrisk.com. Um, and yeah, I'd love to connect with people. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so I'm sure you'll have my name in the, <laughs> the spelling of my name in the, uh, in the show notes. But yeah, people can feel free to find me on LinkedIn and connect with me there. Uh, Minos is also, you know, you can link from my page to our LinkedIn page there. Mm-hmm. We often share, um, you know, free kind of resources like the one I, I talked about earlier. Um, also just kind of, useful information to keep your awareness up about the world of security. Like, Hey, here's the new password guidelines. You know, we share that kind of stuff just so you can just be aware of what's going on. Um, and yeah, those, I guess, uh, those are our main channels. Perfect. Well, Kimmy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. This has been uh, super insightful, uh, super, you know, in, you know, I think valuable uh, for me and I'm sure for the listeners. So thank you so much for uh, coming on, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, man. This has been, been a blast. Thank you.